0: With thanks to the city of Brimbank across our neighbourhood and the world, the Sports Hour with Max Hadzoglu on Brimbank Live on Live FM.
1: Hello and welcome to the Sports Hour on Broombank Live on Live FM. Great to have your company. I'm your host, Max Tetsoglu. We've got a big show coming up today. We've got Charlie Gill coming on to talk a little bit about the AFL season. We also got Patrick Morrow on, who's going to talk a little bit about the world of cricket and what's happening there. Then we're also going to get Connor Kennedy on, who's going to talk a little bit about sleep and the importance of it. So we're looking forward to, to hearing from him, a nutrition coach. And a personal trainer. So uh, look forward to that and uh, we look forward to the show. The AFL season is 10 days away. I cannot believe how quickly it's come around. And there's no better person than football expert Charlie Gill to come onto the show to talk a little bit about it. Welcome, Charlie, to the Sports Hour. Hey, Gun.
0: Good, thanks, Max. Great to be here as always.
1: Charlie, today we want to go through the riser, the slider and the premier for this AFL season. Mm-hmm. Kicking it off with the riser, can you tell us who you think is going to make the rise up this season in 2021? My,
0: my riser is Melbourne. The reason it's Melbourne is because I think that the midfield of Petrarca, Brayshaw, Oliver, and gone is so good that it's not like' it's they've got they don't have a a, mid, a ninth place midfield they have a, a midfield that's you know a top four midfield it's one of the best midfields in the competition and the thing about Melbourne is that you know it feels like they should be up there, and I've always said that Melbourne must be the hardest team in the competition to support because they were so bad for so long they were so bad, and then they got good and then they made a pre a preliminary final, they got smashed, but it's like, okay, at least they made a prelim. You know, that's a good step. The next step is making the grand final. And then they just got bad again. And it was sort of like mind blowing. So disappointing for those fans who thought that finally it was time for, you know, a little bit of success. Instead, they've just dropped straight back down. But Petrarch improved. Oliver, I think has something to prove. There were lots of rumors about him not being happy at Melbourne. And while that could have the effect of you know, detracting from Melbourne's performance, I think it might add to it because I think that he's the sort of player that would like using sort of negative energy as motivation, if you know what I mean. Um, when it comes to the other positions on the ground, their forward line isn't amazing. Neither is their back line, but they do have May and Lever. So I think that they're actually relatively consistent across all parts of the ground. The question is whether the problem with Melbourne was never its players at all, but was actually its coach. Because Goodwin came in, you know, and I think he took them to that prelim. And then someone's going to have to fact-check that. And then after that, they just suddenly got bad. And it was sort of like, why? And this is Goodwin's last year, I think. I think that everyone knows that. I, I think maybe maybe even the, the president the administration said that if they didn't make finals, that there was going to be consequences. I think maybe even Goodwin said that. Again, a fact-check needs to fact-check that.
1: That's true. But,
0: but, yeah, so... That's interesting. The question is the coaching, I suppose, because I just don't think the play is ever a problem. And you hate to, play, you hate to place all the blame on Goodwin, but it's sort of like... It's hard sort of not to. Um, and I think that, you know, if they don't make finals this year, then, yeah, Goodwin's definitely got to go because like, I think they've got a good enough team to make finals, Absolutely. Yeah, and well, that's why. And I'm I'm sort of not actually saying right now why I think that they're going to rise. I'm just sort of sort of talking about um, why they you know the questions surrounding them. But the reason I think that they are going to rise is because it's an element of that um, that idea of sort of sticking with the coach, which you saw Richmond do, obviously to their benefit with Hardwick, which you saw Buckley do to the benefit as well. I mean, you haven't won a premiership, but you got five. six points away from winning a Premiership. So, um, there's two sort of coaches like that this year in Leon Cameron and in Goodwin. Um, If, you know, um, they pay back their clubs um, by sort of uh, like overseeing the uh, improvement of their team, then um, that's something that Richmond and Collingwood did. And I think that uh, it's a good thing to do and Based on sort of that pattern is, an, is why I think that Melbourne will improve because I think that Goodwin, um, I think that a lot comes from experience and that Goodwin will um, Goodwin will become a better coach this year. Again, I think it's because their midfield is so good. I think Petrarca and Oliver are only going to get better, as, as is Bray Shaw. Just an incredible young midfield. Goodwin's yep. obviously a very talented Ruckman and I think that they've got some... I just think that they're, they're a team that should be playing finals, and I think that this is the year that they're going to get back in there. Um, so that, that's my riser. It's,
1: it's interesting. Why do you think that they're going to rise if you think Goodwin... Like, if you don't think Goodwin's the man for the job? Like, you think they're I going to Even though I, thought I got, you yeah. think Goodwin yep. isn't the man for the job? Like, if he's going to keep... Surely he keeps his job if he if 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 um if uh, Melbourne sorry if they go up into the top eight they finished tenth last year. You're saying they're they're your risers, so you'd expect them to finish around five or six, hopefully seven, maybe.
0: Hope um, but you think fun.
1: that good one will leave? No, no,
0: sorry, I didn't really phrase it well at all. Um, what I was saying was that um. I don't really have any statistics to back this up, but I think think that Melbourne sticking with Goodwin will be rewarded by him taking them up this season. And I think they're going to... If he takes them up this season, then obviously he probably is the man for the job and he will be rewarded with a new contract. I think that I can't... For some reason, I just don't feel that it's going to be... Goodwin's going to oversee another disastrous season. Well, not disastrous, but another mediocre season for Melbourne. Because they should be playing finals and they're not. I think that this year they're going to play finals and Goodwin's going to stick around and I think that them sticking with Goodwin was a good idea. And maybe it might not even matter who's coach because I think that their players are so good um, yeah. and so capable. And yeah. I think I they're think... going to be really motivated. Yeah. I mean everyone's supposed to be motivated. But I think Melbourne really have that pressure on them this season that it just can't be another bad season after all that the club and all the fans have been through the past 15 years.
1: Yeah, and I think I think it's a good one, Charlie. Melbourne, I think, I definitely think they're going to rise up. They had a few bad games last year where they, uh, they, they lost to the Sydney Swan by 21 points in round 15. They lost to Frio in round 16 and then they beat the Giants only by five points in the following round. But I think looking at their other games, they had a pretty promising season last year. And I think, I think you're right. I think they're going to, they're going to be a nice little riser for this year. Um, And they're going to take a team out of the top eight. Um, And we'll get to that um, when we get to our slider um, next up. But for me, my riser this year is the mighty Carlton blues. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know, uh, I know I've, I know um, you're a supporter of them, Charlie, and I know you'll be quite surprised by this, seeing that I'm a Collingwood supporter, but um, we, 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 we operate on a level playing field here, and I think Carlton will rise up. They obviously picked up Adam Saad, um, Williams as well from GWS, uh, and that's quality going into that back line, quality they certainly need. And looking at their team, it's it's a pretty good team to be honest. It just looks it looks well spread across the whole ground. You've got quality plays, you've got Crips in the midfield. Um Paddy Dell, I reckon he's gonna step up this year and have a good year. I heard he had yeah. a good practice game. Um then you've got he Harry McKay really like- up forward. And you've got the great Levi Casbolt, who I saw in the preseason last year when I went down to watch him train. He, he's a gun. He is a gun. Um, and what were you going to say, sorry?
0: I was just going to say about Paddy Dow that he played really well in the practice match against Essendon and then he also played really well last night against St Kilda. Yeah. He didn't have like a crazy amount of disposals, not very much, but um, he, he, they were high impact. Yeah. That's it. His handballs, his handball releases were so good. They like release plays into space like on multiple occasions, and like literally, sort of like he almost sort of he was the reason that we got the inside fifty. Um, yep. The thing about the Blues is that obviously, I got low expectations as I always do. I mean, I want us to play finals more than anything. I think if we don't play finals and we narrowly miss out, I think Teague keeps his job no matter what. Um, but yeah, finals is the benchmark. But the thing about us is, I'm a bit worried. Like, I mean, you know, everyone everyone talks about their own club's injuries, but Kerno's been so disappointing what's happened with him. Um, you know, we've got McKay got injured last night, McKay, so did Weedering, so did Nunes. Um, Teague seemed to think they were all going to be fine, but then we've also got Marchbank injured, Camp injured, um, a lot of players, uh, injured, Newman, yeah. like, we've. we've our injury list isn't very good. And I just really pray that we can, you know, our players can have, um, you know, can be healthy enough to really go hard at it. Because I do think that we easily can make the top eight um, if we're healthy and if, you know, we're, we're gelling well. Um, yes. But all I can do is hope.
1: And that's what I saw last year. I saw a lot of promising signs. Um, and, and the hope is there now in Carlton supporters like yourself. Um, that they can make the top eight. And you're sitting there right now with the cheeky smirk on your face, aren't you, Charlie? Because Carlton, uh, that talk about top eight has been heavily uh, spoken about. And uh, I think, I think they're going to get up and uh, well done on that. And uh, let's hope it happens now um, to your slider. Who's your slider for 2021 AFL season? I sort of struggled thinking
0: if he was going to choose the slider because I'm sort of quite nice about it When I look at the team in the last year's ladder I think oh no they're not that bad And I always give each team the benefit of the doubt But the slide I've settled on Is West Coast Now mm. It's not an obvious one um, They did show really bad signs last year And I just think that You know the I haven't read that much about it But the hub thing it might impact them being in Western Australia with the borders. I'm not even sure if that is a factor or not. I think I read a headline and I've just just run with it, um, to be honest. But (laughs) I don't know. They're not, they're sort of, I think they're a relatively old team. They've got a lot of guns, like Barras and McGovern, obviously, and Shui. Like, they're a good team. But I think they could slide. I think they could maybe just sneak into finals this year. Maybe even finish ninth.
1: Yeah, well, they finished fifth last year. So I think I, – I remember last year I was talking about how good their midfield is and how they're just going to be such a good team. Um, and I think I had them in my top four for predictions. Um, and I think – I don't know. I, I think that hub factor and WA, the way they sort of regulate the borders there – um, they're going to have to probably go in a lot of hubs and they're going to struggle with that. Um, if, unless they've, you know, sort of worked out a way that's going to work really well for them, but look, there might not even be hubs. Players might be able to uh, be a bit more free uh, in terms of where they can go and the rules and everything, because obviously uh, the, the the scenario now is a bit better um, with less COVID cases. Uh, um. But, yeah, I think that'll be a factor, the travel. Um, And WA, like last year, you would have thought they'd be the team that handles the hub quite well, seeing that they're always away from home in normal seasons um, because they're they're based in WA. Um, So that's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, My slider is GWS, um, and I just think that... They're going to finish quite low, I think. Um, potentially lower than fourteenth. Um, oh, big call! Yeah, it is. It is pretty big call. Uh, they lost Joe Caldwell. Uh, they lost Jeremy Cameron. They lost Williams, and that's that's three pretty good players there, um, and. Yeah, I just don't know. I, I, I don't know about them. I Last year, they didn't play too well. They were expected to finish in the top A. They finished 10th, eight wins. Um, and yeah, I, I just I think they're going to slide. I, I worry for them as well because they don't have a big supporter base uh, and they're a team that they can fall down the tunnel and fall quite deep down that tunnel um, quite quickly just because of sort of the dynamic. Over there, um, and they are sort of a younger team, even though they they've got a few good ex- experienced players. Um, but yeah, Jeremy Cameron, he's not up forward now. So who 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 kicks the goals? That's that's my question. And um, yeah, I think Thanks Jeremy Cameron. Yep, he's a bright light, um, but you need a tall forward. They've got Jeremy Finlayson, who's pretty good, but. Um, he's nowhere near Jeremy Cameron level who averaged one goal a game over there. Um, and that's what they're going to need. Um, yeah, are you surprised by that?
0: Sorry, um, am I surprised by your prediction?
2: Mm.
0: No, I'm not surprised by your prediction because GWS were sort of... Um, you know, they had no momentum last year. Um, yep. They were seemingly constantly being um, battered by the media. Like, it seemed like everyone was like, what's happened to GWS? They were in a grand final. And then Richmond seemed to have broken them the same way they broke Adelaide. Um, but you know what? Yeah. I disagree. I don't think they're going to finish below 14. I think they really have a good chance of making finals. Because they've actually got a good team, I reckon Like, yep. at the end of the day They're still good um, I just can't, If you reckon they're going to finish below 14th That means you reckon they're going to finish 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th And I cannot see or four, Hawthorne Okay, so Below 13th and so I cannot see I can't see Adelaide North Melbourne Essendon Hawthorne, finish below them, above them. Sorry. Yeah, I
1: can, I can see. And I was thinking for my riser to throw in Gold Coast, and I, I, I think they will rise, but they're not going to rise as much as your mighty blue baggers. Um, if you ask me, Gold Coast are going to
0: do what GWS couldn't, which sounds strange because... Like it was all. Everyone always said, "Oh, it's you know." Gold Coast have completely messed up this whole creating a team thing in their list. Yeah. Whereas GWS have nailed it, but at the end, GWS haven't won a grand final yet, and Gold Coast look better than GWS right now. The amount of good players Gold Coast have in their list is unbelievable. I think yeah. the, I'd, if I could bet on them winning a premiership within the next five years, I would put a lot of money on it. Um. I'm sure a lot of people said that about CWS, but I think Gold Coast are in like are in even better position. Yeah. Um, with Raul, with Rankin, with Ben King, like the list goes on. Anderson, you know, they've got, they've got so many good players. Absolutely. I can really see, I can see them finishing uh, playing finals this year as well. Yeah. But that's the thing certainly. I can see everyone playing
1: finals. Yeah. But um. Now, I yep. wanted to get to our next thing. And before we get to the Premiers and our predictions there, I want to find out your surprise for, for 2021. Now, I'll kick it off. And I think this player is not currently on an AFL list. He's just in the wilderness at the moment. He's found himself a place down in Richmond, um, next door to Richmond and next door to Collingwood. It's at Gosha's Paddock. Um, but they're actually at Casey Fields at the moment um, where they the other ground they train out and that's the Melbourne Demons and the player from there who's not on their list, his name's Jack Daw and he is a player that was rated elite as a defender not long ago. It was probably about two seasons ago and he absolutely killed it. He was a premier defender, Matthew Scarlet like – he was quality. He was just dominating, taking marks down back, everything. He he He's a quality player, and he's a player that should be playing AFL if he's not injured and if he's, if he's fit. You know what?
0: You know what? I think he's better than Scarlett ever was, and probably Silvani as well combined, Majok Dor. I think he's the best pullback in the competition for sure.
1: Well, that's that's... Oh, I don't know what to say to that. That's just putrid from you, Charlie. I think that's, is that a bit of sarcasm? <laughs> <laughs> it is. And uh, look, this is my surprise. I know you might be laughing now, but uh, when I bring this interview back up and you're listening to this little grab, you're going to be the one that's laughed at. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. Now, tell me your surprise.
0: Um, I don't reckon it's that much of a surprise, but I'd just like to say that I think Zach, she's going to be an All-Australian. He's so good. He just needs yeah. to um, learn yep. better how to kick on his opposite foot, and then he's going to be so good. Like you should have seen him at the game last night. He was zipping around everywhere. Whenever he got the ball, the whole crowd, the whole crowd, like collectively, <gasps> sort of like um, that's a bit traumatic. Yeah. But, but it was sort of like that. Um, yeah. When he got the ball, like you knew something was going to happen. <laughs>
1: He's so good. I don't know what to um, say about that reaction. Um, <laughs> that, that was just eyes, that man. was what happened to him. Um, like, God, did so, um, did did a streaker come on and tackle his ribs? And like, everyone. Went,
0: <laughs> <gasps> I don't know, know mate. All I know is that when the Sharon got in Zach Bish's hands, the crowd went <gasps> like that. Right? Drop so their jaws. They
1: dropped their jaws. They dropped their in, jaws,
0: and they breathed in the oxygen. Just suddenly, because magic was about to happen. And it sounds cliche, but I'm telling you, this man is so good at footy, and he he can just zip around, and there's not that many players like him. Like He's a little bit like Dan Butler, I guess. Obviously, Butler's better for now, but um, he's special. Mm. In terms of any other surprises, um, I think that... um, what do I think
1: that just Don Fisher it's, it's yep. yeah, he, I remember seeing watching Richmond train last year and um, it was during the lockdown and I was at home and there wasn't much to do. So what I was doing um, was going, it was in between that break they had after round one and the second round, that long break where clubs were training in groups um, in Victoria and stuff, and that was that long break. So I went and watched some clubs train, and Richmond was one of them. And Shy Bolton just did some spectacular things. Okay. I, wrote, I wrote a piece on it and, uh, and oh. on, on all the AFL clubs, and he was my riser. And guess what? He he, he went on to have an unbelievable season for for Richmond. Yeah.
0: Did you make that prediction this time last year? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's a good prediction because he was so good last year
1: yeah I did and yeah it was quite good but on the other side I went and watched Collingwood train and I was watching I was watching all the players I'll take note I'll take notes trying to make um, pretty good predictions on on what will happen um, and I wrote um, and I wrote some notes and Josh Dacos he was really struggling uh, in the preseason he was like miss, 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 miss hitting the ball um, this preseason like, no, no, the one before. He was he was kicking balls off the side of his boot, and they were rolling like like clangers, and just just making these skill errors. Um, but I didn't have a big sample size to to make my judgment off. But I thought, wow, like he's really struggling here, and he was. He was struggling in the training sessions, but he came out and had a crazy season for Collingwood, and uh, that was um, yeah. It just goes to show like. Um, yeah, that was just interesting And I wanted to I actually want to get Josh on One day And ask him But it's probably a little bit late now He probably can't remember that pre-season and <laughs> I said, doubt he
0: can remember that one Yeah was, He just probably just caught him on a bad day
1: Yeah, but I went I went about three times and Oh, really? I think he was struggling Like a couple of times But It wasn't like crazy stuff But um, Yeah, it was interesting anyway um, But We'll move on and look, premier for me is pretty straightforward. I think uh, that Richmond will get it done. Yeah, I just think they'll get it done. They've got they're they're crazy. Last year, the thing that shocked me about Richmond last year uh, was when they um when when they had those off field issues and they came back from that that happened mid season. They came back and they did well. And then they ended up winning the premiership. Um, they've had a lot of off-field issues. And that, it wasn't just that one uh, with that Coleman Jones and Sydney Stack. But um, obviously what's happened with Damien Hardwick, like they've had all these interruptions off-field, but they've still managed to do so well on-field. That's quite, quite remarkable. So I just, after that, I was just like, what's going to stop Richmond? Like the only thing that's going to stop them is ageing. And that, that 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 hasn't hit them yet. That that's still a few seasons away. Um, and that that's that's my final answer. They're my premiers for this year, and I hope they don't dominate because it's going to be a bit of a boring season in a way if they dominate. Uh, but that's that's my riser, and um, that's my premier. Sorry, and hopefully teams like Port Adelaide push them a little bit, and and hopefully Port. You know, push them and, and beat them a few times. That, that'd make it entertaining. But Richmond, in my eyes, I just can't see them being beaten too often in 2021. Who's your premiership predictor?
0: Um, what is it? Did you hear that? da da da
1: da da no. da da
0: da da, da, da. Da, 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 da.
1: No chance You cannot be Yeah,
0: I'm, uh, I'm predicting Richmond as well <laughs> um, I don't want to out? say Richmond I don't want to say Richmond But it's like, you have to say Richmond If yeah. not Richmond, then I'm going to go with Port But you know, it's like, you got to say
1: Richmond, unfortunately How if, if, if you had A thousand bucks How much of it would you be putting on Richmond? To win.
0: (laughs) Um well I do have a thousand dollars. Um and I'm not betting. If you had to, sorry. Sorry. If you had to if you had to put (laughs) the money. Um uh (laughs) I would probably um what would I put on put if I had a if you gave me a thousand dollars and I had to bet some of it on Richmond, I'd bet See this is, this, is, this doesn't work. I'd probably just keep the money. I'd probably put a dollar on Richmond and keep $9, 9, 999 no, you, you've dollars. you have got to myself.
1: spend it all. You've got to spend all of the 1000.
0: They're not better a 1000 on them.
1: You would. Okay. So you're very confident. If I, yeah, yeah, if I've got to spend it all then I would. No, but you can also put it on other teams.
0: <laughs> oh, right Okay. That's good. That's, that's a good question. Um I'd put 3 I put 400 on them. <laughs> Um, you put that's actually a good on. question. That's a good question,
1: actually. I've never heard that question before. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd
2: say.
1: Oh, I, yeah. Look, I reckon. Anyway, I put three hundred. Well, that, that's a tricky question. That like that's there's a lot of finances <laughs> yeah. involved there. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Like you got to get I'm the a calculator master. out for that. Um, and <laughs> yeah. you probably don't have the time. Uh, but Charlie. Look, is there anything else you'd like to add on
0: 2021? Um, I'm just looking forward to footy. I was at the at Etihad Stadium, sorry, the Telstra Dome last night. Um, and it was so good, even, even there, even yeah. not at the MCG, even at Dockland Stadium to, to just see footy and see my boys run out there again. It just put a smile on my face. And I just can't wait to be back watching football and hopefully before we know it it'll be back to full crowds full capacity um and mcg will be back to normal but you know what for now fifty i i'm happy with that because it's a lot better than what we had last year
1: absolutely and um yeah i'm looking forward to getting my photo with the covid vaccine um you know that famous photo that everyone's been getting um i'm looking forward to that moment putting it on social media and um and then hopefully I'm able to travel anywhere I want. Um, yeah, that was a bit of a side note. It was supposed to be funny, but it didn't really work. Um, That's okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that wraps us up, Charlie. Um, thanks for joining us on the, on the Sports Hour. Much appreciated. And um, I'm looking forward to chatting again this time next week.
0: I always look forward to it. So once again, thanks for having me on, Max. Um, and to all our listeners, our faithful listeners, have a good one.
1: It is that time in the show where we welcome personal trainer, nutrition coach, Connor Kennedy. How are you going today, Connor? Uh,
3: very, very well, as always. Thanks, Max. Thanks for having me on.
1: And this week, we've got you on to talk a little bit about sleep uh, and some of the different aspects to it and uh, all about it. So uh, we'll kick it off. What Um, tell me what you think about sleep and and probably how important it is for us as human beings
3: of course sleep is uh as any good person knows it's the most important thing that you can do for your body you know sleep is how your body resets regenerates itself it's how you repair muscle tissue it's how you get back brain function. It's how everything in your body heals itself back up after a tough, tiring day at the office or in the gym or on the sports field, whatever you're doing, whoever you are in your life, no matter what you do in your day, sleep is always going to be important. Um, funny thing, actually, you might've heard some people say the, the more sleep you get, um, the rewards actually start diminishing Um, and there's a higher risk of death with um, the more sleep you get if you get too much sleep um, per night. But the interesting thing is, um, in those studies that they've looked at, people who get too much sleep, like, you know, we're talking 10-12 hours plus a night, uh, those people have a higher risk of death already because of their illnesses, and they need more sleep because of their illnesses. So, those studies are actually uh, not, not correct. So, getting as much sleep as you can is always beneficial is my point. Now, that being said, I don't recommend getting 10 to 12 hours a night because we need time in our day too, to accomplish all the things we want to accomplish. Um, But I definitely recommend getting at least eight hours a night.
1: So it's eight hours that's recommended. Is that um, what, what is the, is that what you actually recommend? Um, Like I've heard, rumors of seven hours for adults um what what are your thoughts in terms of how many hours we should be getting
3: uh look it's it's an interesting topic um i know for for certain that kids need more than that um you know young kids they need at least 10 hours a night even teenagers they should be aiming for at least nine to ten hours per night um now, full-grown full adults, I would recommend eight hours plus per night. Um, you know, some people just get away with six. Um, and, and you know, my dad, he sleeps four to five hours a night, and he's been doing that for, you know, 30 years plus. Um, that's just the way he lives, and somehow he functions on it. Now, he'd probably have a better quality of life if he slept more, but that's just, just him. So, you know, some people have different hours they like to sleep. Um, some people sleep more, but you have to find the point at which you have enough hours in your day to use productively, um, but you're also getting enough sleep so that you can be productive in those hours. You know, So it's it's finding that middle point between not getting too much sleep where you're losing valuable time in your day and getting enough sleep where your, your body can reset and regenerate itself. So for me, look, I always try to get eight hours a day. Some people who are just ridiculously busy businessmen and and that sort of thing, um, they can probably get away with seven hours because they really need that extra hour in the day. So you've just got to find what works with your life.
1: Yeah. It's interesting how some people can like function and do everything with only four or five hours sleep. Um, I know a few people that, um, are sleeping those sorts of hours and, um, it's, it's strange how, um, they can sort of, um, function on that amount of sleep. Um, and that sort of like contradicts the argument that adults should be getting eight hours sleep, but why, why, why are you still selling to us, um, that, that we should be getting that amount of sleep? Like is like, ultimately is that just the the best recommendation and and that's how you're going to maximize sort of your health from it?
3: Look, yeah, that's right. So, you know, people can function on that amount of sleep. You know, we've, we've all had all nighters before we've all had nights or a few nights in a row where we haven't gotten eight hours sleep. Um, and that's fine. But I've, I believe there's actually been studies to show that um, consistently getting less than seven or eight hours sleep a few nights in the row uh, significantly increases your chance of illness and injury and um, decreases your life expectancy. Um, so, those people can function four to five hours a night, you know, for 50 years for all of their life. Sure. They can, they can get by, but their quality of life will not be nearly as good as, uh, as, as it would be if they were getting a couple hours sleep more per night, you know, they'd feel happier during the day. They'd have more energy, um, not just physically, but mentally. So they, they'd be able to crush their exercise, uh, whatever they're doing more and they'd also be able to concentrate better on the work that they're doing. Um, so yes, they can function four to five hours. Um, there's no debate about that. You know, you can get by as a human being. I think their long-term risk of illness goes up. I think their life expectancy goes down and I think their performance in the day and their energy levels go down as a result of that.
1: Yeah. It's um, I, I agree with you. I just, um, the reason why I sort of asked that question was because I find it quite amazing how people actually manage to to get through a day quite well um, with that amount of sleep, and it's it's one of those things. It's just quite strange, but obviously, getting that extra sleep uh, will will have its benefits um, from doing it. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And just before we move on, I will say as well, you know, they can get through the day, but um, the people I know who consistently get that amount of sleep, they're they're pretty stressed people. Um, you know, they're not. They're not using all of their time productively. You know, they have yeah. 18 hours in a day, which is a lot. I guarantee you they could be a bit more productive and they'd actually get more done in the day. If they just slept an extra two hours, then they'd have less two, uh, two less hours in the day, but they'd be so much more productive in that time. They'd feel better. They'd feel happier. So, you know, you can do it, but at what cost? You know, you want to be happy as well.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I... I that's that sounds spot on um now i i have nights where and and not nights but probably just periods of time where i'm sleeping late later than what i'd normally like to because of the distractions and it's mainly those distractions these phones uh which kill people's sleep really um what's your advice? You know, obviously a lot of people have to get up earlier in the morning to get to their commitment, their jobs, their schooling, um, anything else, maybe go for a walk or who knows a meeting or whatever. What are your tips for making sure we're getting those eight, eight hours in? Um, so we're maximizing everything from our, from our health perspective.
3: So my biggest advice on this is get into a routine. Um, I'm actually one of those people. I have to wake up at 5 a.m. right now for for work um, in the morning every day. And uh, well, I don't have that every day. But what I've set for myself is that I'll wake up at 5 a.m. every day. And that way I can consistently get to bed early enough um, so that I can get eight hours. So I'll be asleep by 9 p.m., you know, and that's... It's, it comes with its costs um, obviously you know there's things that happen later than 9 p.m and, and it's hard to get to bed at that time but if you build it into a routine over a couple of months your body gets used to it you reset your body clock um, and so uh, you can find that it actually does take a couple of months to to build into this but once you do it's such a good feeling because you can set your body clock to any time you want you know I'll start getting tired um, before 9 p.m. And, and now when I hit the sack um, at that time, I can get to sleep when I want to. Um, and, and, but other people that I know you know, who go to sleep at maybe 11 every night, they definitely couldn't get to sleep and get eight hours sleep waking up at 5 a.m. unless they've built it into a routine. So my point is find your time that you need to wake up every morning Stick to it, you know, wake up at that time every single morning. um, And even if that means you get no sleep for a couple of nights or much less sleep for a couple of nights, it's going to be better for you in the long run because you'll be tired for a couple of days. That means you'll be able to get to bed earlier. You'll be able to get into that healthy sleep routine. And I can't explain exactly what it is, but you know, the feeling when you're in a great routine, a great sleep routine, you just feel great it's productive. You can get to sleep quickly. You wake up and feel energized. You know, I often wake up a couple minutes right before my alarm because my body just knows now's the time we're ready for the day and I feel great when waking up. So that's my biggest tip on um, how to, how to do that.
1: Yeah. And um, it's, it's interesting. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, the fatigue, um, you know, and, being, you know, so many people, I'm tired, you know, it gets to two o'clock in the day and they start to feel tired. It happens to me countless times. Um, and having those days where you're feeling energetic, everyone has those days, they're feeling energetic, they want to do something, they want to go for a walk, go for a run. If, if, if we can be feeling that for the majority of the day, what a positive it is and what a positive oh, yeah. impact it can make um, on, on your life, on your life.
3: Um, oh yeah ab- absolutely you know like when you get into a s- consistent sleep routine you stop getting tired throughout the day you get tired just before bed because your body knows you know when you have such an up and down sleep schedule it's changing every single day your body doesn't know what to do you're not telling your body what to do you know we have mm. to tell our body what to do and when we do that it knows and it'll reward us we won't get tired through the day we'll have more energy you know, I feel great all day, every day because I eat well, I sleep well, you know, I exercise. So when we do those things, we we tell our body when, when it's time to wake up, when it's time to sleep um, and, and it helps in all areas of our life.
1: Absolutely. Um, And you mentioned there eating and um, exercising, and that's two things that we'll touch on later on, um, potentially in the next few weeks, Connor. So, really looking forward to speaking about those aspects of our health Um, and it's been great getting you on in the previous shows talking a little bit about cold showers and uh, in the first week we spoke a bit about uh, breathing Um, so and today obviously sleep so um, Connor Kennedy it's a pleasure to have you on and um, thanks very much it's great to get your perspective as a personal trainer and nutrition coach so thanks for joining us again on the sports hour.
3: No worries at all. I'm looking forward to the coming weeks. Thanks, Max.
1: There's been plenty happening in the world of cricket, as well as uh, different other sports as well, uh, looking across the world. Uh, and there's no better man to welcome to the show than freelance writer rider, Patrick Morrow. How are you going today, Patrick?
2: Very good, Max. Absolute pleasure to be back on again. Uh, it's a lot of big sporting news of the week, and let's get into it.
1: Absolutely. And uh, we'll kick it off today talking a little bit about uh, the the series between India and England. How um, have you seen that one play out so far? Uh, this is the fourth test of that series. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty even to start off that test match.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a very even first day. Uh, England were out for 205. Ben Stokes top scored with 56. There was a bit of uh, fire in the match early on. A few uh, yes. uh words being talked about from Coley to Stokes. So they were having a go at each other. Uh, Apparently it was over a joke that was, might've been misconstrued for something else. So um, it was quite funny there. And then India in reply, they bowled them out for 205 and Joe Root was said quite disappointed, was quite disappointed with the batting um, performance said they could have batted much better. Apparently the pitch wasn't as um, turning sharply as it was in the, in the day night test. Um, and then India in reply, one for 25 with Jimmy Anderson winding back the clock and getting a wicket late on day one to have England in a pretty even position. Even though India, it looks like it uh, looks like it's going to be a dominant game of cricket for India. They've still got the, they've got the uh, they're ahead of the game in a way. They've bowled out the team and they've got the they only got a bat uh, today, probably about day three as well. And try and make a big lead is the goal for them. And hopefully Coley gets amongst the runs because he hasn't been amongst the runs for a while. So you probably want to keep that up uh, to keep the uh, doubters wrong, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's I should have mentioned India leading that series 2-1. We're in the last test. It's a four-test uh, match series. Um, and England have to win this test in order to, uh, to draw the series. Uh, the show is going to be on live on Monday. Uh, who do you think... We'll win. Uh, by the time we get to Monday, uh, the, the, the game will be over and we'll know whether the series is drawn or whether India take the lead 3-1 to end the whole Test match series. Uh, what are your thoughts now? The scores, India, India are 1 for 34 um, in reply to England, who made 205 in the first innings. Uh, so what do you think? Uh, India trailed by 171 runs at the moment in the first innings, one wicket down. Who do you reckon will take out this series?
2: Oh, I think it'll be India just because they'll have better class and better skill with the ball, especially later on in the, in the uh, second innings and day four and five. I think they're just better uh, suited for it. Um, I don't think England know how to play spinning pitches. Same as most of the countries that don't play uh, on subcontinental pitches, they, they struggle with the batting. And, you know, at the same time, uh, the pitch plays different tricks later on day three and day four and five so i'll be hoping in england do win because as you do know max the Australia need england to win so we can play in the test championship against new zealand at lords in july uh which is meant to happen yeah. uh, barring covid so we kind of want england to win but i, I think india is just going to do the job and pr- probably do it quite comfortably uh i wouldn't be surprised if it's in innings um I, I would not be surprised if india make a massive total and uh, England can't chase it down. So that's my bet. And uh, hopefully, I'm right. But hopefully, I'm not right because I want Australia to win, of course. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think our eyes will be peeled to the screens on Sunday night, uh, watching that end to that test match. Uh, it'll be day four on Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know what? It, uh, it could go to a day five and end late in the test match. So, Uh, The show could still be running as the test match is happening. But uh, it's Mm. looking like it's not going to last five days. And it's going to be an interesting finish, certainly. And um, going to another game now, which was between um, West Indies and Sri Lanka. Uh, They're playing in a T20 series. And um, there's been some interesting things happening in that game. Uh, They they had their first game where the West Indies won. um, And they've got... Uh, they've, got, they've got 20s to play in total um, And that will, um, that will take place tomorrow and on Monday um, But yeah, do you want to talk us through what happened in that first T20? There was a few interesting uh, things that went on in that game
2: Yeah, uh, Kieran Pollard went uh, crazy Hit 39 off 11 balls uh, Included six sixes off of a Pollard who uh, I can't say his name, unfortunately. I've forgotten it. Uh, he got a hat-trick, uh, this bowler, beforehand. Yeah. I oh, will say this, that um, uh, he got he got hit for six sixes and uh, took a hat-trick. So not a, bad, not a bit of a weird old day for him. Uh, but Sri Lanka, in reply, were never in the contest. West Indies were just a bit better. Chris Gale even come out to play. So they're calling up everyone out of nowhere today, Max. And it's a bit weird and odd what's going on in the windies. Uh, they like to do this. They like to bring all the uh, the old players back for these uh, these T20 matches. Um, you know, as, as as we've seen before, the West Indies are T20 specialists and know how to do it. Sri Lanka, the side's pretty weak. Um, no one there that's really notable in terms of T20 experience. A few, maybe Dick Waller, maybe, but if a lot of them have really just coming off you know a few red ball games that were played against um, they played against Bangladesh. Uh, and, and the likes of that as well and against England as well. So they haven't really come off a lot of the T20 stuff and the Wingies, on the other hand, they've come off a tour of Bangladesh as well. So they haven't, again, haven't played a lot of the white ball uh shorter format of the game, more one-day format. So it's an interesting little series. I think they conclude with a one-day series as well. So it's good to see them playing cricket in the Caribbean still. Um But yeah.
1: Yeah. Um And I'll give it a crack. The Sri Lankan player who uh, took the hat-trick and then in the following over was uh, hit for six sixes by Kieran Pollard, as you said, Patrick. Quite amazing that. But in the previous over, he took a hat-trick and uh, that that player, his name is Akila Danajana. Now, that's that's,
2: that's my attempt to
1: pronunciate that. I don't know if that's... Yeah, and Kieran Pollard, he, he became just the third man in international cricket to hit six sixes in and over. Um, so that's quite remarkable um, to do that at international level. You saw Carlos Brathwaite he hit those sixes off Ben Stokes. I think he got maybe a couple in a row away then in a World Cup final. But um, six sixes in and over, that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, and what a whirlwind. For um, the Sri Lankan bowler um, yeah, from no. taking a hat trick to getting hit for six, a low sixes.
2: very quick succession. So, uh, yeah. what was more odd was the celebrations by Capola. I think he walked a square leg and took a bow like something like out of a um, out of a movie. You know? yeah. so quite, quite funny. So, um, it's just a shame there was no crowd to see it as well. Max, um, would have been nice, but that's how it rolls at the moment.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, it would have been, that would have been great to have a crowd. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And um, unfortunately, the times are all in. We can't have that. Uh, but in this, there was also another uh, interesting sort of gesture that happened um, to a visiting nation coming to Australia in rugby. Um, do you want to talk us through how that played out? And um, yeah, it was quite nice um, from the visiting country to do this act.
2: Yeah, uh, so a Fijian side um, who are going to be playing in the equivalent of the VFL, the New South Wales rugby competition, um, we're in hotel quarantine for the past two weeks. As we know, the rugby league season starts in about a week's time um, around, across Australia um, as it all matches up with the NRL. So the grade competition starts, I think, next week and the Fijian side, were are in uh, hotel quarantine. This is the first time they're going to have uh, two Pacific nations playing, one in the New South Wales and the Queensland competition. So the Papua New Guinean team are going to play in the Queensland comp and the Fijian team are going to play in the New South New, New, New South Wales competition. Sorry, And the Fijian team, uh, after they've done their 14 days of quarantine, as they were leaving, they decided to break into a song and they sung the song uh, in much gusto and passion that was quite... Uh, give you the chills on the spine uh, they've got amazing voices and quite spectacular for a rugby team to sing that um, that so proudly um, so they sung sung the uh, song uh, quite well to all the to say thank you to all the quarantine workers um, so that's well done to them and hats off to them that's a great show of sportsmanship i think it needs to be a bit of the uh, you know look at that from footy clubs and sporting clubs alike around the world to kind of you know, do some gesture of that type. Um, I know, and, and I think that's just amazing that, um, they would do that and good luck to that team and we'll be barracking hard for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, for them to sort of be that respectful, that's, um, that's, 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 that's very good on them for doing that. Um, and yeah, that's, um, that's something that's great to see in sport. Um, they get treated so well, um, in most cases and, um, you know, it's great when you see them sort of give that back in return and treat the others around them um, well who have helped them um, along the way. So uh, absolutely, that's, um, that was great to see from the Fijian rugby team doing that uh, to the hotel quarantine workers and, and the hotel there in Sydney. Um, so that was brilliant. Um, now, there's also been another series happening in the world of cricket, and that's between New Zealand and Australia. Um, there 's been some interruption in that series with um, I think it was auckland uh, they went into lockdown and they couldn 't have a crowd um, and then they had to play with um, with an, with no crowds in the stadium, um, which was quite bizarre um, but not really bizarre anymore we 've seen it enough times to sort of be used to it um, but in that series, Australia won the third game, so they trailed by one um, New Zealand leading the series 2-1 with two games remaining, two T20s. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Um, the game is obviously on Friday and Sunday. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Aaron Finch, wasn't it great to see him back in the runs as captain of the short-form cricket in Australia, T20s and ODIs. That was brilliant. Uh, he hit sixty nine on a 44 balls. Quite remarkable, as well as Philippi hitting 43 of 27 um, in his, what is it, third game of international cricket. That's pretty uh, exceptional. But what are you thinking uh, how this this series will play out? Do you reckon Australia are capable of uh, taking away the chocolates and winning the next two and getting up 3-2 in that series? What do you reckon, Patrick?
2: Uh, I say it's gonna be a close one. Um, I think there's only there's fine margins from our side of them. Uh, as I've said before, I think New Zealand's team's quite strong, and we can get them on a night uh, like we did in Wellington only a couple of days ago. Uh, you could probably do the same thing again. Um, Aaron Finch finally got back into some form, which is great. Um, he got very lucky as well. It could have been LB, uh, very very close on, and that wasn't that was a due to, uh umpire's call, so got away with that mm. one there and then from there looked really good with the bat and he wasn't his usual best but got away with it and I think that's the innings he needs to build on and build on his T20 career I think he's had so much speculation on his technique and the way he bats so it's great to see him back in the runs uh, as well Ashton someone who I think probably should have been dropped for that third T20, um, really put a great performance in taking 6 for 30 Will he yes. do that again? I don't think he will. But, you know, if he can take a few wickets there and slow the economy rate down uh, and the run rate down and and get a few runs, even if it's 20 or 15 or 10, that'd be great for him. Uh, Josh Felipe, same thing. A really good cricketer. He'll probably be in the side for a while. And I think they need to look at, um, as I'm saying, they going to look at that one-player format player. And he probably is the one to, you know, develop into more of a T20 player. Um It'll be good to see how we go. Hopefully, we do win. It'd be a great effort if we could win the series with a side we've got on a very strong side. But at the same time, I think New Zealand just might be able to find the class with the likes of Williamson, Guptil, uh, Southy, Bolt. The likes of them who've been around the traps for a long time know what to do. The last two games are playing in Wellington. So on the cake tin there. So no crowd makes it a little bit weird. Um, I, I think. New Zealand, want, they want a crowd there because just the momentum and also to do with the fact that the crowd gives them a the massive hype and it's, it's very interesting. But New Zealand crowd gives a lot more applause to the home side than we do, um, as I can say. So it, it's quite interesting how they go about it. Um, I think probably, probably New Zealand will win the series. It'll be a close one. I wouldn't be surprised if we have one. I'm hoping one of them go to a super over, so I'm going to predict that now. I've got a feeling the last T20 might go to a super over. I've got a funny, squeaky suspicion that might happen. So wow, I think New Zealand. I think New Zealand just maxed just on the last yeah. ball of the super over. Maybe, maybe the. I've got a feeling game four. I think Australia might do the win again, and then New Zealand might win the last match on a super over. I just got this funny feeling. Well, it's um, it's great to hear that
1: prediction and i'll tell you what if it comes true that'll be quite amazing um and look i wanted to ask you how much of an influence do you reckon home how much of an effect or influence or yeah how much how much of an impact do you think home ground advantage has on these games like how, how, what's the advantage for new zealand playing at home here do you reckon it's it's they they're, they're they they benefit from it quite a bit, or do you reckon it's just an even playing field, almost? Uh,
2: I think they benefit from a bit. Um, the match was played at Dunedin before the COVID restrictions were put in. Uh, the Uni Oval there, um, the crowd was pretty much on their on on their team all day. Um, yep. I think the last, the second last over sums it up. Uh, Bolt had to bowl that second last over and bowled it immaculately well. Even if he got hit for ten. He actually bowled really well. Let's just say the crowd were giving him a massive round of applause and getting the and the crowd crowd influence made that last over uh, with Nisham coming to bowl as well. So, you know, probably New Zealand missed that on Wednesday night in Wellington because there was just no crowd. Hakeem is um, is a place where you'd want a crowd because it's pretty dull. It's a bit like Marvel. It doesn't have the atmosphere that the MCG can create with 20,000 or even no fans. You know, so. Um, it still has some form of atmosphere, even though it might have zero fans. So um, it needs to have. I think the K team probably isn't um, probably isn't New Zealand's advantage because there's no crowd, so they don't get that. You know, they don't. They don't. There's that, just this big empty hole in a way. So um, also, um, it'll be interesting to see um, how Australia go tonight. Uh, there'll be a better judgment um, to, with no fans again. So. Probably that might play into our hands a bit, but we'll see what happens.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think you're spot on there. There is a bit of an advantage, but without the crowd, uh, it helps Australia. Um, not a lot. It'll obviously, it'll still help New Zealand, and they'll probably have a little bit more of an advantage because they're at home. Um, but I don't think the advantage is there as much when there's no crowd, but certainly when that crowd comes, as you said, um, that, that, that crowd can influenced the game a fair bit. Um, but Patrick, uh, it's it's a pleasure to get your thoughts again. Um, and I thank you once again for coming onto the Sports Hour and giving us all your uh, views and opinions and uh, thoughts on uh, what's happening in the world of sport. So thanks very much, Patrick Murray.
2: Yeah, thank you very much, Max. Absolute pleasure to be on again. Cheers,
1: man. And that wraps up our show for today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we had a bit of an AFL football there from Charlie Gill, also got Patrick Morrow on to talk a little bit about the cricket and also Connor Kennedy who spoke a little bit about the importance of sleep. Uh, so that runs out the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in once again. And uh, as always, feel free to jump on our social media pages at SportsHourFM on our Twitter page. Uh, you can also find Live FM Making Media, which is on Twitter and Facebook, and also the Remake Neighbourhood House page on Facebook where you can find the, uh, the show as a podcast. But uh, thanks again for tuning in and I uh, hope you have a wonderful week. You're listening to the Sports Hour on Brimbank Live on Live FM.
2: With thanks
0: to the city of Brimbank across our neighbourhood and the world, the Sports Hour with Max Hadzoglu on Brimbank Live on Live FM.